This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. That's right, everybody. everybody. Welcome back to Five on Three WFUV's NHL podcast. It is Matt Costantini joined by Jack Caldwell, Chris Hennessy. Guys, how we been? Uh, have we all recovered after after the trade deadline? Oh uh, yeah, I recovered. All right. Yeah, Chris was just in a mourning state. <laughs> there wasn't a lot to recover from. He just had to get himself back up again. Islanders have won one game since that day, so well, two games maybe. One against Ottawa, so that doesn't really count. But. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, crazy, crazy times in the NHL. We got a lot to get to today. Um, we're gonna hit kind of the East and the West playoff pictures. With it kind of, it kind of sprung up on me. Chris reminded me that there was only fifteen, sixteen games left in the in the NHL season before we started the show, and it kind of, kind of hit me how close we are to to winding down the season, and getting into some playoff hockey. So we're, we'll hit that. Uh, we're gonna introduce a a new segment at the end of the show. It might not be a new recurring segment, but it's definitely new. Uh, but unfortunately, we do have to start this show off with some uh, rather unfortunate news. Uh, I'm sure we all know Ted Lindsay passed away recently. Uh, he is the namesake for the NHL Players Association Most Outstanding Player Award that's given out at the end of the season. It's kind of the NHLPA's version of the Hart Trophy. Um, and Ted Lindsay is a historic figure in the NHL. That goes without saying. He had a he had a great twenty year career. Uh, he's nine time All Star, four time Cup winner with Detroit. Uh, he spent a majority of his career there. He obviously had that that two year hiatus with Chicago, and then went back and finished his career in Detroit. Uh, obviously, a Hockey Hall of Famer, won the our Ross Trophy one time, and. I'm looking here at his numbers. They're obviously not eye-popping, but that's just because of the era he played in. Yeah, it's a different era, yeah. less games played. Because you, you look at other greats, and obviously the one you look at is Wayne Gretzky, and he puts up 200-point seasons, and then Mr. Lindsay, his highest was 78. Right. So, But regardless of that, he was on a line with Howe and Sid Abel, all three of which are on the Hall of Fame. In, just the production an insane line. line. And... When Can we talk about that? I think that's the greatest nickname for a line of all time, the production line. That's pretty good. How do you get yeah. better than that in Detroit? Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. true. That is true. Yeah. I didn't think about uh, Detroit. But also, when he retired, only Howe and Richard, Mark, uh, Rocket Richard had more points than Ted Lindsay. That's, that's, a, that's, that's pretty, pretty good company. That's yeah. pretty good company right there. So, I mean, we could we could sit here and talk all day, but what what is Ted Lindsay's legacy in hockey to me he's someone who always stood up for what was right even if everyone else told him he was wrong he started the nhl players association essentially in the 60s and he got basically cut from the red wings for it his beloved team he devoted his entire career to ended up having to play on their arch nemesis chicago blackhawks who at that point in time with bobby hull and stan makita that was like fiercer than yankees red sox so that must have been heartbreaking for him. He eventually reconciled with the Red Wings and played for them. And then when he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 67, the Hall of Fame did not allow families to attend ceremonies, so he refused to go to the ceremony. Um, and because of that, it created change where now, ever since the Hall of Fame has allowed families to attend the ceremonies, you can go through an incredibly long list of his achievements and attributes on the ice, off the ice, known as an incredible man. He was also a color commentator on NBC, 
for NBC's uh, National Game of the Week in the 70s. So he helped introduce hockey to a lot of Americans throughout the 1970s as well. So just a very prominent name, a very prominent legacy. And one last thing I'll point out is he was a very important link in hockey history because his father was the first goaltender to ever get a win in NHL history. He made his professional hockey debut uh, in the early 1900s, was born in 1881. <laughs> oh, wow. So wow, yeah, he was. He's a link to basically the origins of hockey. I had I think no idea. Really cool. I did not know that. That's I, I knew his dad fact. was a player. I didn't know that he did at the first one as a goaltender. But I, I think Jack kind of hit on it all. I think the most important part is the players' union. That's something that we kind of take for granted now. That was not something that was taken for granted then. So to have a player of such prominence be the be the man behind that, uh, and there's players like that in baseball as well. Um, but in hockey, I think Ted Lindsay holds a special place for that, for sure. Yeah, and you can look at the players' union, and without that, who knows where the league would be today. I mean, obviously they had the strike in, in 2004. Uh, they had the lockout uh, in the early two thousand in the early 2010s. Well, that was the first, yeah. Yeah, that was the first Players Association in general. Forget yeah. about shaping hockey. That shaped sports because— yeah. The, the, all the other players' associations followed five to ten years after. So he was a trailblazer for the entire professional sports industry. Yeah, definitely. And and without that, we could be seeing sports as a completely different different field. And and the players might not be getting paid what they're getting paid now. And it, it would just be very very different without Ted Lindsay. We're all we're all very sad to see him go. Uh, but now let's get into some a little a little bit brighter brighter topics. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are really coming down to it here uh, with basically the last the last home stretch, which is always kind of a sprint to the finish after the trade deadline. And we are looking at an Eastern Conference where there are four or five really good teams that might miss the playoffs. Yeah, you look at. Uh, between Pittsburgh, Montreal, Columbus, Philly, Carolina. That's that's five. That's six. Five teams right there. There's my counting for you. Five, <laughs> five teams right there who are all pretty good teams who might miss the playoffs. And I wouldn't put it past my beloved New York Islanders to miss the playoffs. And Washington's hot as can be right now. So yeah, I, I doubt they would miss the playoffs. But you know the Islanders are starting to fall down. There's there's a chance that Pittsburgh gets hot, Carolina gets hot, Columbus gets hot, and they are out the outside looking in. So we're so, looking. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a fear for the teams above them as well. Not only that, right now Columbus and Philadelphia are sitting on the outside looking in, and Buffalo too, who had a good start to the season. Now they've somewhat faltered off. They're kind of out of striking distance too. Yeah. So we're looking at the Metro. The Islanders and the Capitals have 83 points. They're leading the division, and then you have Carolina, Pittsburgh, both at 79 points, and then Columbus at 77, Philadelphia at 72 points. That's adjusting the Metro alone, and then you look at the Atlantic, where Montreal has 79 points. So. As of today, we are looking at Pittsburgh and Montreal being the wild card teams. But Jack, it, there's obviously no way that this is how it's going to look come game 82. How do you see this playing out? Well, I think you can eliminate Philadelphia from the playoff picture. So I'm, when, I'm with you. On when that. I look at this, it's whether Columbus can get in, and if they can get in, who are they pulling down? Is it going to be Carolina? I think Washington to me, is set in the Metro. And they're the only team I can confidently say is set in the Metro. That's totally fair. Yeah. Don't trust the Islanders. Don't trust Carolina. There's just not enough experience there. 
And then the Pittsburgh, obviously, is not in it right now, and you can't guarantee that they will be in the Metro. So you look at Columbus, there's chances to get into the Metro. There's also chances to jump into the wild card. Montreal, be careful with them. To me, a plus 10 goal differential is the lowest by a good amount outside of Columbus throughout that top tier of the Eastern Conference. Carey Price has to stand on his head for the rest of this regular season in order for them to continue to keep that spot. And I think he's the best goaltender in the NHL for many years or one of the top ones. But I, I would trust Columbus with their rejuvenated roster more than Montreal. So if I had to pick a team that would fall out, I would say it's Montreal and Columbus taking their place and rising up. It's all about who's getting hot at the right time. And I talked about the Islanders and so did Jack kind of falling out of this spot they're in right now, and that's because they've played like hot garbage the last two weeks. And you look at Carolina's 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. So I don't care how you did in October. If you can win games in March, just like in baseball, if you can win games in September, that's really what's going to matter in these longer seasons. So Carolina, if they can now 8-1-1 is somewhat, you know, unsustainable, but if they can keep this up, I don't see any reason that they could they would fall out of the playoffs. And I do agree with you, Jack. I think Montreal is the least talented team of this nine-team group, but they're going to be a, certainly a talented team left out of the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think I'm a little bit higher on Carolina than some other people are, strictly because Sebastian Ajo is dragging them, kicking and screaming into this playoff McElhaney's spot. is a good goalie, though. He's better than they've had before. I mean, he's okay. He's, like, he's solid enough. I don't think he's as good as any of these other goalies. Like, Look at these goalies you're talking about, like Robin Leonard and Thomas Christ, whatever. But like Brayton Holpe, Andre Vasilevsky, Tuka Rask, Matt uh, Murray, Matt Murray uh, Bobrovsky, even Carter Hart's a really good goalie, even though he's so young. So I, I mean, I think, I think he's certainly the you know the rod to the pack there, but I, he's still a good. Goalie. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Carolina is this is going to be such a bad pun, but they're the perfect storm right now. Uh, be- yeah, because they're not only they're playing good hockey, but they're also like a really fun team. And, yeah, sure. and they're, they're, po- they're, they're post win celebrations. Like it's just making them so much of a closer team. And I really think that's important. Like having a close, tight, fun locker room at this point in the season probably has more of an impact than people expect and it could propel a team into the playoffs and don cherry's whole rant whatever that was a <laughs> bunch really of losers helped. has turned that into motivation for carolina it reminds me of the yankees with thumbs down in 2017 yep. and that was the whole trend it's the same thing right here with the hurricanes and when you see these storylines coming up throughout your team in any sport there's always going to be that motivation i remember the rangers with st louis in 2014 that's always special to me in any sport when there's motivating storylines pushing you forward because those can continue all the way to the end of the line and i think it's a a positive for rob rindemore is the first coach of uh first year coach of the hurricanes mm-hmm. he's been synonymous with the hurricanes ever since they left hartford uh to go down there he was was he the captain of the team that won the cup? He was on the team that won the cup. Or was um, Stahl the captain by that point? I, I honestly want to say it might have been Justin Williams. No, this he, he not, wasn't the captain of that This team. is not his first stint with the team. Though. No, that's true. But so, he was on the team that won the cup. It might have been, been Brindamore. It might have been It could have been Shanahan. Was he on that team? It was Brindamore. It was Brindamore. It was Brindamore. Okay. That's right. Um, so he was the captain of the team that won the cup. He's been part of the organization ever since he retired and now he's the head coach and leading them into this this spot in the metro that they didn't think they were going to be in this year and I think that they could load up this offseason I'm not on cap friendly right now but <laughs> I don't know how much uh, cap room they have but they could certainly get some players and a goalie maybe you know Bobrovsky's going to leave so you never know um, 
to really propel them into the likes of Washington, Pittsburgh, and maybe the Islanders. How bad of a look is it for Columbus if they don't make the playoffs after everything they did at the deadline? It's the absolute worst fear we talked about, guys. Do you remember when they made these moves and we said, worst case scenario is all these guys walk and they're left with nothing and traded away some of their best assets at the deadline. So it's win for the sake of the franchise. It's not just win for the city. It's not just win for the fans. The only way that you can justify doing this to your franchise is by making the playoffs and going on a deep run too because if they lose in the first round and most of these guys walk, you could argue that that those moves were not worth it. Uh, they should have traded Panarin. You could argue they should have traded Bobrovsky, not gone out and gotten anyone else, gotten anyone else and saved their assets. So if you want to save the franchise moving forward and justify everything you've done at the deadline, you've got to go on a deep run. I agree. I mean, obviously I agree. There's not really much to disagree <laughs> with there. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of what a small, kind of what a small market team has to do. Because, like, who wants to go live in Columbus besides people who want to go to Ohio State? Like, not that many people. So there's the only pro skater. most populous city in, the, in America. <laughs> oh, that's, Come on. Of course, of course. How could you like, forget? How could I forget that? But, like, <laughs> that's not really, like. I mean, it's not It's I, not, they're, a, they're it's not, not a, a hockey big, destination. It's not right. a place there's where no, you Like, people like, want to live in Winnipeg to play hockey. People yeah. don't want to live in Columbus to play hockey. And it's not even about living there to play hockey. You're not going to attract big-name free agents to go play for you. Right. So now, like, this is what you kind of have to do if you're a Columbus and or in even like in Arizona who we're going to talk about like these teams that don't have great hockey you know history uh, you you love that the NHL is trying to expand there but it's kind of it's tough to get a fan base so they're trying to you know rile everybody up but now if they fail it's going to be like all right well who cares so if i had to ask you right now at the end of the at the end of the season who is going to be in the playoffs for the Eastern Conference all right i'm going Washington Islanders, Carolina, Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Columbus. Yeah, I'm going Columbus is in, Montreal is out. I'll say the Isles will fall to the third in the Metro. I think Caps will win the division. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Penguins or Hurricanes had that two spot. I don't think the Isles will fall into the wild card. I think they'll cling to a third spot. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Washington, Carolina, Pittsburgh. Oh, oh no. He's looked at me as he said that. <laughs> Islanders Columbus. Okay, that's fine. I, I think I think the Islanders are right now and again it's right now they're they're eleven points out or not eleven, they are about eight points above the the last team that could possibly make the playoffs. I think that's a little bit too far to fall even for them, even without doing anything at the deadline. Mm-hmm. So I think the team that misses out is Montreal. I, I'm very happy to see Carey Price back and playing like we expect him to, but I think they're just missing they're missing one, two pieces to kind of make that playoff They're push. missing Alex Galchenyuk and Max Pacioretty, if we're going to be real. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, that's exa- exactly. Like, like, yeah, Max, Domi, Max Domi's doing great. Max Domi's doing really good, and that's obviously who they had to give up to get. Uh, they had to give up Alex Galchenyuk to get. Max Domi, but losing patches definitely hurts. Yeah, and they would probably be. I mean, they were relying on notable bust Jonathan Drouin to score oh. goals for them right now. It's like why? Like, I, yeah, Montreal is interesting, especially because like Claude Julian won a cup with the Bruins. <laughs> I try to win with the Canadians. That, oh, that's always fascinating to me. Every time I see him on the Canadians bench, I'm like, what the? All right, so so let's jump into the Western Conference here, which is, I gotta say, it's decidedly less interesting than the Eastern Conference playoff picture. 
because right now we're looking at Calgary, San Jose, Vegas out in the Pacific. And then to be fair, the Central is a little exciting, at least the third and then the wildcard spots are exciting because you have Nashville, Winnipeg at 83-82. They're obviously fighting it out for for the division title. And then you have St. Louis, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, all separated by four points. Yeah, so I think Winnipeg's in an interesting position because they have three games in hand on Nashville, one point back. They got clobbered against Tampa Bay last night. They yes, not, they did. They did not look like a good team. I watched part of that game. Uh, and But in, that's just going to be an interesting race just because it's good hockey. They're both obviously going to make the playoffs. What's more interesting is St. Louis, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, those four teams that you mentioned. So Because, again, uh, right now I think that that is where the wild card is coming from. I don't think Arizona has a chance. No, out. I don't think so either. I don't think so either, but I think it's a good season for them, kind of a building block season. Just yeah, like, absolutely. Like a, like a Carolina junior almost. Yeah, like, I can like see they're that. not having as good a success as Carolina, but it's kind of showing what can happen with uh, you know Clayton Keller, Sebastian Ajo, kind of leading the franchises respectively. But you know, you look at St. Louis and Jared Bennington and um, the new coach whose name is escaping me right now. I'll think of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Baruby, Craig Baruby. Yes, that's his name. Uh, they're in third place. They're good, but I don't see them staying in third place. I think Dallas is better. I think Minnesota is better too, honestly. And St. Louis, I think, is going to make the playoffs at this point because I just don't think Colorado has the ability to get it together. So I think they'll make the playoffs, but I do think Minnesota definitely Minnesota definitely has the ability to jump them. I don't think any of these teams that are currently in the playoff race are going to drop out. Um, as Chris said, I can't see Colorado leapfrogging the Stars, the Wild. I, I, there's no one who jumps out to me as me saying, okay, like they're falling apart. Okay, the Avs have got this. I, I have no confidence in Colorado, not just based on them going on a hot streak, but on any team ahead of them falling enough. Um, and I, I don't think Arizona's going to go on a run either. So it's a little bit tight, but it, it sort of reminds me of baseball with this new wild card. There's always those two teams, and then there's like three or four teams who are two games out for the last month of the season, but none of them ever get it together to go up. So that's what I see right now here. So, Chris, you mentioned Winnipeg having these three games in hand and only being a point back of Nashville. How do we see this division title race playing out? Do Obviously having six points at your disposal is huge, and that could create a, a large enough gap that doesn't really allow you to kind of fall back. So who ends up winning this division? I think it'll be Winnipeg, mostly because I like what they did at the deadline better, and I like their goaltender better. And that's not a slight on Pecorino. I'm just really high on Connor Hellebuck. I like him a lot. I think that their supporting cast around Line and Shifley is, you know, top of the league almost. And so in terms of supporting cast, I think Kevin Hayes was a great addition to that. Now, both teams aren't great on the road. So Nashville's 17-13-4 away from uh, Nashville, and then Winnipeg is 17-15-0. Uh, outside of Winnipeg, so and to they're going to have to go on the road to win games. That doesn't surprise me because you see those environments they play in, which are probably two of the, if not they are the two best hockey environments that we yeah, have seen right. in the league recently. You just look at the at the last playoff series. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Nashville is incredibly intimidating go-to, and that playoff series that Winnipeg had last year with the whiteout and... Probably the, the fans going crazy. Yeah, those are two of the toughest buildings to go to. So to me, it's not surprising that they struggle on the road. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's surprising. It's just something that they have to get together because yeah. unlike you know the NFL, like you could be a terrible road team 
and you know go to the Super Bowl because you don't have to play on the road. In, right. In hockey, you do have to play on the road, and they do have some road games. They they don't have a lot of road games left. You know, they got at Carolina, at Washington, at the Kings, at Anaheim, and at Vegas left in terms of road games for Winnipeg. So they have a lot of home games. You know, I think they can they can beat up on LA and Anaheim. I have no doubt about that. And you know, they got one game left against Nashville up in Winnipeg. That'll be a that's that, that could be a deciding game. That's huge. And you know, so. I think that Winnipeg will win it, uh, but I wouldn't doubt Nashville then coming back and beating them in the playoffs. And I don't think the the road thing is going to affect these teams as much in the playoffs because they have experience. You see it in some sports, like with dome teams in football. I know the Yankees have historically, the last two playoff runs, struggled on the road because they're so young. But these teams have enough veterans. They have enough playoff experience. They've played on the road in the playoffs before. I think it's one thing to play in some of these Western Conference stadiums, which can be a little more than half empty on some nights, um, or uh, uh, playing a bad team where there's no electricity in the building. But in a playoff game with the adrenaline high, the euphoria at its peak, there's no way that you can really feel like the road is going to kill you. So who wins the division? I'm going to go with Winnipeg as well, but I, you know... I think Chris brought up a lot of points. I like what Winnipeg did at the deadline a lot more than Nashville. I don't think Nashville improved nearly as much at the deadline as Winnipeg did, in my opinion. Now, that's not played out as significantly as I thought, but I think as the team chemistry continues to build, I like Winnipeg's moves. I think they're further bolstered than the Preds, so I'll take them. Also, Nashville's power play is dreadful. So if you want to talk about winning on the road, that's something you have yeah. to have together, something about winning in the playoffs. They're 31st in the league. That's pretty bad. In plus. Like, that's last. Like, Ottawa and Detroit <laughs> and Anaheim and L.A. have better power plays than Nashville. That's unbelievable. That's not great. That's um, terrible. I think I'm going to stick with Nashville. Really? I, I just do not. I don't like how Winnipeg's been playing the last couple weeks. I yeah, mean, they didn't look good last night at all. I mean, four, five, and one in the last ten. Granted, Nashville's only six and four in their last ten, so it's a couple, couple different bounces here and there, and we could be talking about the same kind of situation. But I just think Nashville as a whole are still better than Winnipeg, at least in terms of a regular season push. Because once we get to the playoffs, all all gloves are off. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But for the regular season push, I think Nashville will hold it, can hold it together a little bit more. Uh, and then, Jack, I'm going to go with you. Who do we see making the playoffs out of the Western Conference? Well, I like I said earlier, I don't think anyone falling who's in the playoff picture is falling out. So if we're if we're going under the assumption that the two wild cards are coming from the Central, who get who gets those spots? Oh, okay. Um, I think St. Louis will fall. And I, I'll take Dallas over St. Louis. I think Dallas will leapfrog them. So Nashville, Winnipeg are set in that yes. division. I think St. Louis will fall into the wild card. I think Dallas will leapfrog them. Um, and then otherwise, I, I think everything's set. Okay, so so you're going to take Dallas. So you're going to take St. Louis, Minnesota as those two wild card teams. Yep. Okay, I can see that. So I'll take Winnipeg one, Nashville two, Minnesota three in the Central. I'll say Calgary holds on to the Pacific Crown. Go San Jose, Vegas behind them, and then I'll go Dallas 1, St. Louis 2. Colorado will miss by, like, two games. They'll be close, but they're not yeah. going to get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Nashville, Winnipeg, and then I'm going to go Dallas as that three seed, or as that, okay. yeah, as the, as the three spot. And then I'm going to go San Jose, Calgary, Vegas. I just think San Jose is, they're talented. is better. No doubt. 
I just think that they had a, they had kind of a rough start and injuries kind of piled up a little bit. But now that they're healthy, they look really good. Um, and then I'm going to go St. Louis, Minnesota. Or Minnesota, St. Louis, excuse me. I think that St. Louis is definitely going to fall off because as much as I like Jordan Bennington and the run that they had been on, I can't really see that sustaining itself for a very long period of time. So I think they're going to hold on to that last that last wildcard spot just by the skin of their teeth. And it'll probably be a quick exit for them. Still quite the jump from what we were talking about oh, yeah. Christmas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they looked like one of the worst teams in the league. They were one of the worst teams yeah. in the league. <laughs> All right, so... That's our playoff preview. I'm sure we're all going to be horrifically wrong as we co- as we come down to it. But this is this is going to be a little adventure for us here. This is a a new segment that we're debuting on the show. Uh, Chris Hennessy gets all the credit in the world for this being invented because what started as an offhand comment before we uh, we started the show here is kind of bloomed into a full blown segment on this show, and it's. We're calling it What's More Likely. It's called What's More Likely. We're going to give each one of us is going to give two things that could happen. They don't have to be related at all. And the other two will tell us what's more likely. So, should I start? It's your idea. I will all let right. you start. You go for it. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, what's more likely? Nikita Kucherov currently at 108 points to reach 120. 125. 125. Okay. Or the Tampa Bay Lightning currently at plus 87. <laughs> to reach a plus 100 goal differential, which let, let's just let that sink in for a second. Plus 100 goal differential in the 82-game season. They have 15 games remaining, so 120 points or plus 100 for Nikita Kucherov, Tampa Bay Lightning. Jack, I'll, go, I'll let you go first. I'm going to go with the Bolts. So you're going to go plus 100. I, I'll go with the plus 100. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of teams who aren't playing for a lot as the season winds down, and they'll they'll blow them out. All right. Because I don't have their schedule in front of me, and I don't know how many more times they play. They play Washington three times. Oh. Yeah, that's that's going to be... Well, Which is good wa- for the Islanders, because that means Washington's playing Tampa Bay three times. Washington hasn't looked great, to be fair. I mean, they, they're hot, but they, they give up... They do score goals. Yeah. Wait, okay. They're playing Toronto once, Washington three times. Wait, three times? Yeah, three times. St. Louis, Carolina, Arizona, Detroit, Boston... Detroit again, Minnesota. Okay, so they so they play bad. They're not they're they're playing a couple playoff teams and then a couple bad teams. So right. it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, and then how many? We said one twenty five for Kucherov. One twenty five for Kucherov. Currently at one hundred eight, I believe. I just can't trust <sighs> Kucherov to keep his foot slammed on the gas pedal. Yeah, that's fair. that is the fair. rest that's, of the season. Yeah, and and maybe John Cooper kind of kind of tells him to. Yeah, right. I think I think that, yeah, that's, it might be a healthy scratch. A that's the biggest times. part about this is like how. How or they get, or they're just gonna let him go for it, just to see how ridiculous it can be. How, it can how be. high he can get, but that's the thing. Like we were talking about this before, like the the inflation of like the Gretzky era points. Like nobody's ever gonna break these points. Oh, absolutely. So not. there's like no real point in doing it. Like you know, like Drew Brees plays in Week 17 because he has a chance to break the touchdown record for the 18th consecutive year, or whatever <laughs> it is. Nobody has a chance of breaking the 200 plus points that Gretzky had. So I think it's gonna be the goal differential. I think they're actually gonna go plus 100, which is. Ridiculous. You know, you know the all-time goal differential record? Uh, plus 106. Nope. Higher or lower? Uh, you're very cold. I'll say that. Very cold. Wow. Plus 150. Plus 216. Oh, oh my God. 76-77 Canadiens. The okay. lowest differential is, I think, even more impressive. <laughs> oh, it's definitely the first year of the Caps. Yes. Yeah. Negative they, that's the worst season of all time. Negative, negative 265. Negative 265. Negative oh 265. That's... 
awful. The, the first year Cavs are like the worst team in the history of hockey. <laughs> They're so bad. I just thought I'd throw that out there. What's your next one? Oh no, we're going. Oh, we're going around. Yeah, I'm. I I'm. I am taking plus one hundred for the record. Yeah. So it's so it's Kucherov from one hundred eight yeah. now to one twenty five. Feel or... f- feel free to play along at home. Let us know on Twitter. Yes. Uh, we're all we're all tagged in the post, so you know where to hit us up. Right. Feel free to play along at home. Or Tampa Bay plus eighty seven to yeah. plus a hundred in fifteen games. Yeah. Plus, plus I'm I'm taking plus a hundred. You know what, Jack? You can go next. Okay, I'll give you my first one, which is a Rangers-Islanders spin. <laughs> okay. Um, Keeping it local, I like it. Which one's more likely? That A, all three of Barzal, Lee, and Nelson each score 28. Barzal's at 17, Lee's at 23, Nelson's at 21. The other one. <laughs> Actually, no. You know what? I'll lower that to 25. Okay, that's fine. I'll lower that so that each of them score 25. Where Chris Kreider scores thirty three goals, he's at twenty six. So that's seven for Kreider. That's eight for Barzell. Two for Lee and, and four for Nelson. Four for Nelson. Matt Barzell's not scoring eight goals the rest of the season. He's Sixteen been games like, to go. He's been yeah. playing terribly recently. He's been playing with Tom Kunockel. He'll next next thing you know, he'll be playing with Andrew Ladd. <laughs> he was actually terrible. So I'm going to go with anything besides the Islanders scoring goals. So you so you'll take so the Kreider take, situation yeah, the here. Other one, yeah, Chris Kreider. Yeah. Jack, which wait, what, Rangers, what are you doing way. here? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Kreider. I actually pulled this from NHL.com because, well, sort of. They thought that all three of those guys could have scored 40, uh, Chris. By the end of the season? Yeah, they said there's that, 15 games left. They said that on New Year's. So oh, I adjusted okay, it that's to, fine. I, okay, I adjusted okay. it to 25 for okay. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said, is it more that's likely fine. that those three scored? Lee 40? could get 30. Lee could get 30. 20. He's at 23. He needs seven in 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 sixteen games. He, he can get thirty. He can get hot. I I love Matt Barzal, but I don't think he's going to get hot. I'll take the Islanders. I'll take the Islanders trio. That's that doesn't really sound like that much. Eight goals. I mean, he needs to score two goals, basically in eight games. Yeah, like two goals over over the half that they have remaining. Well, Anders Lee does, but then Matt Barzal Barzal needs like eight. eight in sixteen games. Yeah, I mean that he needs to score a goal in half of the games that they have left. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I think I still think I'm going. To I I will absolutely take the take the Islanders trio because okay. I don't I don't think the Rangers are that good, and I don't think the guys around Chris Kreider are good enough to set him up to score the goal the necessary goals that he has left. Fair enough. All right, so mine is it's a little it's a little funky here. Okay, so what is more likely, Tampa Bay, who has already fulfilled their part of the bargain, having 106 points at this point, right? Will Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto all finish the season over 100 points? Okay. Which means Boston needs 11, Toronto needs 14 to finish above uh, above 100 points. And both teams have 4 plus 12 is 16 games left. Or will Ottawa not hit 60 points on the season, which means that they do not get the 8 remaining points that they need? Ottawa's really bad. <laughs> Ottawa's to go really winless, bad. You're saying? No, they need eight points. They need okay. They're at fifty-two, so they need to win four games. Or and they have, eight games they have fifteen games remaining. They need oh. to win. They need to go over five hundred. They uh, need to win no, four don't. games. Four so games of fifteen. Four, four and eleven. No, I. That's tough, right? Because because just say Toronto might not. I don't think their Toronto's going to get to hundred. I just don't think Toronto's good enough to get to hundred. You're you're contemplating. 
is is one team really bad or is one team really good? <laughs> is one team better than we expect? That's not that they're better than we expect. I just don't think is Toronto's one team good worse than we points. expect, and is the other team better than we expect? Yeah, that's a Unless better way of putting it. you consider being bad a skill, <laughs> because <laughs> are you they got, good at being bad? You got to think: Will Ottawa try and right. lose every remaining game? Why would they? Don't have a first round pick. Oh, that's true. <laughs> they don't have a first that's round a good point. Because like we're while watching the Islanders game last night, they played Ottawa and they played like crap. But and I feel like hockey is the sport with the least amount of tanking. Just in my personal experience, I've felt I like can see that. that. That's true. There's but, the least amount of that. And Ottawa has no reason to tank too. Like there was no like, like my roommate like is not a big hockey guy, and he's just like. Oh, like, why is Ottawa even trying to win the game if they're so bad? Like, shouldn't they do what the Knicks are doing? And I was like, well, no, they don't have a first-round pick. He goes, wow, this franchise is a joke. I said, yeah, they are. <laughs> and then Brady Kachuk scores to make it 4-4. Four to four. Robin Leonard goes out with an injury, and there you go. Like, right. point. So, it's possible. I think they're going to get to 60. I, yeah, I'll say I'll say Ottawa. Yeah, I'll go with Ottawa, I'll too. half-heartedly say Ottawa. So, we're so we're all saying—well, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm saying yet. So, you guys are saying <laughs> that Ottawa will hit 60 points? Yeah. Okay. So, you're going—yeah, uh, so we'll go with that, and then— Jeez, fourteen points in sixteen games. So that's that's seven wins. So they need to go seven and nine. Seven and nine. That they have to do that. There's no way they go under five hundred the rest of the way. I mean, yeah, you might throw in some overtime overtime losses in there, but Seven and nine, just straight up. That's the thing. They're like locked into. They're not locked into the three seed. Yeah, I mean, that's no, it. That's only like, three points they, behind Boston. They could. Yeah, they could. They, there could be a situation where like, they have to win the last game of the yeah. season to have it at home ice. So, but in the playoff seeding, there's not a huge difference between the two and three. Oh seeding. yes, there is. Yeah, home there is. home it's, ice it's, in game seven of yeah. that se- of that series. Yeah, but Boston Toronto has overall, been decided. Yeah. Boston Toronto has been decided, but now it's all about where game one and game yeah. seven are being. Yeah, played. but are, are you really going to play for? You yes. think they're going to play for that much Absol- for game seven? Absolutely, for sure. I mean. Especially because it's Boston Toronto, it's, it's a it's a big old yeah. rivalry. Yeah, I'm I'm taking those three teams finish with above 100 points. Okay, I just can't see a world where Toronto being seven and nine is impossible for them. Uh, Chris, go around again. Let's go around again. Let's do it. All right. So the now injured Robin Leonard tied for first, 2.19 goals against. What's more likely, Robin Leonard finishes number one? In goals against on the season. So, not solo one, just tied one, solo one, whatever. Or Leon Dreisaitl, currently four goals behind Alex Ovechkin, overtakes Alex Ovechkin and wins the Rocket Richard Trophy. Oh, God. But repeat the first one. Is Robin, Robin Leonard tied? Robin Leonard, yeah. Robin Leonard currently T1 with 2.19 goals against. Mm-hmm. So he finishes either. Who's second, do you know? T- he's tied with Ben Bishop, and second is Grice. Or third, oh. technically. So how Rob, serious is this is this injury? Do we know? Bishop, uh, not Bishop. Um, Gibson got called up. B- Gibson got called up from Bridgeport today. The, Trotz didn't say after the game yesterday. Well, I assume we'll know tomorrow. So goals but against that, can be such a fickle stat. And that's a, like that's the thing. If he doesn't play, then he's locked. If he doesn't think, then he's locked. Yeah. yeah. But he's probably he's going probably, to play. I think he's going to play because they want because if they're in a playoff race, he's going to have to. I play. think he's going to play. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how likely it is that Drysaddle takes Ovechkin because I I really don't think he will. But the goals against that's a tough one, and I don't love that stat for goaltenders either because I I don't think that's as reflective. Because doesn't that play. count in empty netters too? No, so. no, it's only when you're on the ice. Okay. 
But I feel like save percentage, I've always felt like, was a better... Yes, I'm, I'm big into save percentage. But you know what? I, I will take this before you do, Jack, because it seems like you're struggling a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the Leonard one strictly because I don't think is going to get it done. I don't think is going to get it done either. It's yeah, just... I, really, I really can't picture Drysaddle getting it done. I just, I I just like scenarios where the Caps just choke and just fall. <laughs> that, that, those are scenarios I like. So do you like 2015, second round, Eastern Conference... No, I didn't like that. I didn't like the first round of that playoffs either. But Jack, what are you taking in that, in that scenario right there? Yeah, I'm going to take Dreisaitl. I don't okay. think either of them are likely, though. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, that's the one I'm going with. I'm going with option C, even though that's not there, <laughs> and, and neither of those happen. Uh, Jack, what is what is your second scenario looking like? Okay, so we're going the goals race versus the <sighs> goaltender okay. wins race. Ooh. So which one is more likely, that five players get to 48 goals? Jeez. We've got Ovi at 45. Dreisaitl at 41, Patrick Kane at 40, Braden Point at 37, Tavares at 37. There's 16 games to play. Or that five goalies get 38 wins. we got Freddie Anderson 38? with oh, 32, man. Fleury with 32, Jones with 31, Vasilevsky with 31, and Bobrovsky, Hellebuck, and Price are all at 28. There's no way Winnipeg wins 10 games the rest of the season. I'll just say that. I don't think the goals are going to— and Columbus have something to play for, though. That is true. Oh man, man! But thirty-eight's a lot of wins. That's a lot. Thirty, of wins. like four, What'd you say? Forty goals? Forty-five goals? Forty-eight. Forty-eight. You've got Ovechkin at forty-five. Tavares scoring eleven. Goals. Tavares and Point both both need to get eleven goals in sixteen games. Now we're back on the is John Cooper going to pull the yeah, pull off the gas thing the, again? Is he going to pull the plug? Oh man, this is this is a tough one. I I, I think yeah. I will go. Because it's going to play into my, my next scenario, I will go with the goal scorers. I'll take the goal scoring. I will. Is Montreal going to win 10 games? Like, that's the thing. Because I, the goalie one is there's three teams you can pick from. and Because I see a lot of these. Although I did, did just say that Toronto wasn't going to get 14 points, so I can't pick that one because that means Freddie Anderson's going to get seven more points. My, my so reasoning not taking the, the goalies is that a lot of these teams have – Decent enough backups where yeah, Garrett Sparks is going to play. Where if they're already locked into playoff playoff spots, they will play their backups. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'll go goals half heartedly. I'm going to go with the goaltenders. Okay, you taking think, the tendies, huh? Yeah, I think Anderson, Flurry. They only need six to get there. Martin Jones needs seven, and Vasilevsky needs seven. Those all seem pretty plausible to me. And I think Bobrovsky will probably play almost every game the rest of the way. And, and if you think Columbus is going to get hot, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Last one. Last one. Alistair Ovechkin hits 60 goals. Oh, my goodness. Or there are three 50-goal scorers, uh, assuming Ovechkin does not get to 60. So Ovi's at 45. He needs 16 fi- to go. 15 goals in 16 games. Three 50-goal scorers. Patrick Kane's playing by himself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Kane and Dreisaitl, they're at 40-41. I could see both of them getting to 50, like, if they really push. I can't really see Ovechkin getting to 60. Yeah, I'm going to go with the three guys to 50. I think, you know, Patrick Kane's out there okay. single-handedly carrying a team to from the basement. How, okay, so let, let's bring it down then because we've been doing that throughout this segment. Instead of 60, let's call it 55 for Ovechkin. 10, Ten goals in 15 goals. games. He's going for first place. I could... Considering he shoots from one area of the ice, so doesn't exert a lot of energy, and does it very well. Yeah, 55, I could say. 60 is a lot. 55, I could 60 say. 60 is a lot. Goal, is, a goal yeah. game for the rest of the season is a lot. If we're going 55, 
I'm taking Ovechkin. If we're going 60, I'm taking the other one. I agree with that. Honestly, I think I'm taking Ovechkin either way. I call a game. Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's get crazy, huh? Let's get crazy. Let's let's say Alex Ovechkin finishes this season with sixty goals. Again, I don't like scenarios in which Alex Ovechkin does things that are good for the Washington Capitals. <laughs> well, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed this segment. If you did, let us know, and we will probably bring it back at some point because I, I had fun. <laughs> I know, I know, everyone had fun. Uh, but that'll do it for our show this week. Uh, we will be back next week, of course, uh, as we're heading to this final sprint for Chris Hennessy, Jack Caldwell, and Matt Costantini. Come back soon.